Welcome to the Cornerstone Truth New Creation Podcast. Each week we'll explore fundamental truths about the genuine love of Christ being manifest through His people, the Church. During these studies, we will discover that the sincere love of Christ flows from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. This is the goal of our instruction, and we are so thankful you're listening today. All right, well, I'm excited about today's message. It's uh, taken from the book of Ephesians and chapter 1 and also Matthew chapter 22. But let us not forget the series title, The Power of Presence. And we're working on the power of His presence, being in His presence. And Psalm chapter 16 and verse 11, beautiful psalm that talks about Jesus, when he says, uh, uh, you will make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy, and in your right arm there are pleasures forever. Brethren, the hope that we talked about last week, we're going to build on this week, and we have can have great confidence and great courage like no one else. In the times of, of, of horrific upheaval, As we see in the New Testament, we can enjoy those things too. And so my prayer is that we would listen to the Word of God this morning. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18 is where we're going to start. And then we're going to go to Matthew in chapter 22. You remember Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18 where Paul talks about a prayer request. He prays three things, but we're only going to look at the first one in, in, in detail this morning. Notice what he says here. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. In other words, he prays that they might know and, and be able to see and understand these things. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that, number one, you will know what is the hope of his calling. Do you really know what the great hope of his calling is? You know, there are three little words this morning. Three little words that have profound present and future eternal impact in our lives. Those three little words, you can find them right in your lesson plan. The first one is hope. The second one is called. And the third is chosen. And so those three words we're going to examine this morning and look at the scriptures, how powerful we can have courage and strength no matter what the world does. We can have courage and strength because we have hope. And our hope is not built upon what we have done or are doing. Our hope is built on what Jesus Christ has accomplished and is doing through us right now. And so I'm excited to share this message this morning. But I want to invite you to Matthew in chapter 22. Matthew 22, this is a very familiar passage, and it does talk about being invited by the Lord into heaven, the great feast on the last day. Here we go. Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse 1, reading through verse 14. Jesus spoke to them again in a parable, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent out his slaves to call, there's that word call, call those who had been invited to the wedding feast and they were unwilling to come. Again, he sent out other slaves saying, tell those who have been invited, behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fattened livestock are all butchered and everything is ready. 
come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went their way, one to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them. But the king was enraged, and he sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main highways, and, and, and as many as you find there, invite to the wedding feast. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all they found, both evil and good, and the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. But when the king came to look over the dinner guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed in wedding clothes or wedding garments. And he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. The king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now verse 14, For many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. You know, they went out and invited everybody. Just as we, as servants of Christ, should invite everybody to heaven through Jesus Christ. But notice it says, many are called, but few are chosen. And so this morning, we really need to understand what is the hope of our calling for those who have been chosen by God. And so I pray that you'll stay with me this morning and we'll look at point one and point number two. At point number one is defining these three little words, the hope, the called, and the chosen. And it's profound what we're going to find. And then the second point, critically important, because it answers a very important question. The question is, is when are we called and chosen? I want you to understand when a person is called by God and when a person is chosen by God, because then your hope is absolutely secure in heaven. And so let's begin this morning with point number one. Point one, our hope is built upon his calling and choosing. Our hope is built upon those two. But what is hope? The Greek word for hope is an interesting word. The definitions that I found as I built the, the cumulative definition for us this morning reads this way. To anticipate with joyful pleasure. To anticipate with joyful pleasure. What are we anticipating? Not only are we part, uh, anticipating heaven, but we're also anticipating the blessings that come to us from God, because we've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places if we will walk in a manner worthy of our calling. And so important then for us to recognize hope is the uh, to anticipate with joyful pleasure. And it's a confident expectation of God's blessings and provision in Christ. Let me say that again. This is important. It's the confident expectation of God's blessings in Christ. Now, if you're a Christian this morning, you're in Christ. If you have been called and chosen by him, you're in Christ. And if you're in Christ, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places can be yours 
if you will choose to live a life worthy of the calling with which you have been called. I'm quoting a scripture we're going to look at this morning. And so I want to have you to take a look at Hebrews in chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6 talks about this hope. The same exact Greek word used in Ephesians 1.18 is found here in Hebrews in chapter 6. Now we read this last week, but I'm, it's so important for us to recognize that your hope in Christ Jesus is absolutely secure. It cannot be taken away. Nothing can separate you from the love and the hope that you have in Christ Jesus, except if you were to give it up, walk away, and go back into the world. And I pray, brethren, you will not fall away, but you'll be diligent, diligently striving for uh, that life which we've been called to in Christ Jesus. Take a look, verse 13 and following. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and will surely multiply you. And so having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves. And with them, an oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. In the same way, God desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise and uh, we are heirs of the promise. The promise is the promise of the Holy Spirit indwelling us. So in the same way, God desiring even more to show to the heirs of promise, the Christians, the unchangeableness of his purpose interposed with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we have taken refuge, uh, we who have taken refuge, would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Let me remind you, brethren, if you've been listening to the power of his presence and Psalms uh, 1611, you and I are already seated with Christ in glory. Already. And therefore, our hope is secure in heaven. Not because of what we have done, but because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and then his atoning blood that he, he brought to heaven by which all men could be saved when called and chosen if they would respond. And we're going to look at that this morning some more. But our hope is absolutely secure already secured in heaven as our souls have been in Christ Jesus. I'm going to take a look at Romans in chapter 8, another great verse on the hope. Romans in chapter 8, many of you are very aware of this passage, and uh, yet we forget it. And I, I pray that we would not forget this passage this week. Romans in chapter 8, and beginning there in verse 28. <clears throat> This first verse is a phenomenal verse to begin with. Think about it as, as we read through it. Verse 28. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. If you've been called and chosen because you are responsive to that call and you love Him right now, you need to know that everything that happens to you is according to his purpose. 
Moving on, it says in verse 29, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he, Jesus, would be the firstborn among many brethren. Verse 30, And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. See, we are already seated with him in the heavenly places. We have already been glorified with him and will be glorified with him again when he returns because then we'll see him face to face. But let's read on. Here's the great hope that we have in Christ. Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? Well, the rhetorical question answer is no one. God is the one who justifies. Who is, who is the one who condemns? Again, no one. Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Again, no one. Notice it says, will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? None of those can separate us from the love of Christ. We can choose to walk away, but they cannot separate us if we love God and are called according to his purpose. Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And we are in Christ if you are a Christian this morning. I love the hope that we have here. Our hope is steadfast and it's within heaven, already sealed there. Now, brethren, we need to, we need to take a look at the word called. If we go back to uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18, and I invite you to do that right now, take a look at the anchor verse for this morning. Paul wants us to know what is the hope of his calling, the calling that we have in Christ Jesus. Take a look once again in Ephesians in chapter 1 and verse 18. He prays that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened so that we will know what is the hope of God's calling. And so I looked up that word calling, and it's literally... The, the divine invitation. It's an invitation given to us by God. And uh, it's rather interesting. The divine invitation to embrace salvation found only in Christ. Uh, a salvation in the kingdom of God, which is received in faithful obedience to the gospel. Did you catch that? That, that this invitation is offered to us and so it's offered to us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so through our faithful obedience to the gospel message, the gospel proclamation, we can receive this hope that is secure and steadfast. It's already entered into the veil in heaven where we are seated with him in the heavenly places. We are unshakable in Christ. 
When we took, take our eyes off of Christ and we look at the world, the devil can shake us out. But if we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, set our mind on things above, searching the scriptures, we are empowered to be more than conquerors, even in crazy times. And I pray that you'll embrace these truths. But I want you to look at a scripture this morning in 2 Timothy chapter 1 that talks about our calling. Throughout the New Testament, it talks about our being called and chosen of God. And in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy in chapter 1, a passage of scripture beginning in verse 8 where Paul is uh, appreciating the brethren, particularly Timothy, in regards to their commitment to suffer with him uh, for Christ Jesus. Take a look with me. 2 Timothy chapter 1 beginning in verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, literally the gospel of Jesus Christ, or of me, his prisoner. <clears throat> uh, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who, the God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. He called us and invited us not because we were good enough. Let me read that again. It says here, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted to us, where? It was granted to us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. In other words, his calling and choosing you, the plan to do that was established before the foundation of the world. It was established before uh, the days of eternity, it says here. It says that uh, we were called, uh, not according to our works, but according to his purpose, uh, called according to his grace, which was granted to us in Christ Jesus from all eternity, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe, Romans says. For in it, in the gospel, the power of God is revealed. And so the righteousness of God is revealed there in the gospel. We need to get into the gospel. We need to get into Christ. And so Paul, this passage is amazing that we were called not according to our being good enough. Remember when you were kids? I remember in elementary school, I loved to play sports and football and baseball. And, and whenever all the kids would line up and, and, and the teacher would pick two leaders. And oh man, I was just hoping, I would hope that they, they would pick me. And unfortunately, when it came to baseball, I was always the last one chosen. It was so embarrassing. And those people chose, those leaders chose because of my, well, baseball lack of of performance. I, I was chosen last and unfortunately begrudgingly. But when I was playing football, I loved football and I was very good uh, uh, as a receiver and I was usually picked first. Again, it was I was picked because of my works. God does not pick us based upon our works. He offers the invitation through the gospel of Jesus Christ and we need to recognize that. Will we be faithful and obedient to the gospel call? That's the question. Now let's look at that last word, chosen. Such an important word, chosen. The word chosen there, those whom God has selected 
to receive his blessings. Those whom God has selected to receive his blessings, set apart from the rest of the world, set apart from the rest of mankind, these chosen, whom he has chosen through faith in Christ and his glorious gospel. He chooses us through our faith and his glorious gospel. So, brethren, as it says in the scriptures, we are saved by God's grace through our faith. It's grace and faith working together. Brethren, we must have faith, a faith that is active, a faith that is responsive. When we're invited, knowing that we'll be chosen in the gospel, we must believe the gospel and obey the gospel to get into the gospel. How important that is. So being chosen has to do with faithful obedience to the gospel. Uh, Again, look at uh, Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22. We were just there, but I want to point a couple things out to you that are very, very important. In Matthew chapter 22, God invites everybody to the wedding feast. The kingdom of God is the church, and everybody is invited to participate in the great wedding feast in heaven when the bride of Christ, the church, is finally wed to her husband, Christ Jesus. We are betrothed now to Christ. But someday we will be face to face as he draws us back into heaven. But the reality is this, is that there were at least one person in this example that he was not clothed in the wedding garments. We must be clothed with Christ, the Bible says. It says that we are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of us who are baptized into Christ have clothed ourselves with Christ. If God sees a sinner, that sinner is not going to be seated at the wedding feast. But if we are clothed with Christ, God sees us as holy and blameless because of what Christ has accomplished, not what we have accomplished. And so in and through the gospel is how we are invited, it's how we are chosen, but we must have faith and obedience to the gospel call. And I encourage you to do your own study on this, brethren, as we continue this study and this week. And so notice he says in verse 14, for many are called, but few are chosen. The invitation is for everyone. You know, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, not just for a few, but for everybody. But not everybody will be faithful and obedient to the gospel call. If he calls and he's going to choose you when you, by faith, enter into the gospel plan of salvation, brethren, not everybody's going to do that. I invite you to do that and ask questions if you're not sure how to do that. Please give me a call or or email me and we can set up a Bible study. But your hope is secured only in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to look at one more passage of Scripture, Ephesians in chapter 1. And we're not going to go to verse 18 now. We're going to go to verse 3 and 4. And in fact, let me encourage you to spend this next week carefully reading through Ephesians in chapter 1. It will be an amazing blessing. 
And I want you to listen for the terminology in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Over and over and over again, we hear the statement in Christ. So here we go. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Did you catch that? You and I, present tense, have every spiritual blessing available to us in Christ. But reading on, it says, Just as He chose us in Him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. So God had set the predetermined plan of salvation before the physical universe was created. It says it right there. Before the foundation of the world. The word foundation there is literally the word conception. Before the world was conceived and brought into existence. It says that you and I, if you're a Christian this morning, were chosen in Christ Jesus and were chosen through the gospel. If you're in the next passage of scripture that we're about to look at. So brethren, how important it is for us to be, to hear the gospel invitation. If you've never had the gospel invitation uh, shared with you, please let me know. And I'll be more than willing to come and study with you the foundation for the church, which includes the gospel call, the gospel invitation. My prayer is that you will do that. Brethren, please understand there's no other way into heaven but through the gospel. There's no other way to be chosen of God but but through faithful obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ as we're about to see. Let's turn to point number two now this, this morning. And point number two, if you turn the page, you'll see it says here, how does he call and choose people? How does God call people? How does, how does God choose people? That's so important because that's where our hope is. Once we're, we're called and chosen and we by faith enter into that state of being chosen, then we're secured with him in heaven, far above all rule and authority, as we talked about last week. So this morning, I want you to turn to 2 Thessalonians. Here is uh, a, such a huge verse, and you could spend a week just working through this uh, passage of Scripture in regards to being called and chosen of God. And I pray that you will. You know, the Berean church, the Christians in the Berean church were much more uh, honorable than other Christians because whenever Paul spoke, they went and checked him out. They searched the scriptures to see if these things were so. Please check me out this morning. Go back and write the scriptures down and read them carefully. But listen to First Thess- or Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. Every word has meaning in this these two little verses. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you. And notice the next phrase. God has chosen you from the beginning, before the foundation of the world, as we just read in Ephesians, for salvation through two things. Salvation through the sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. Notice, we are chosen 
because we receive the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit and are sanctified, and we have faith in the truth. Now, faith, true biblical faith, has an obedient response when it hears the Word of God. Without an obedient response to the Word of God, it's not true faith. I invite you to read James in chapter 2, verse 14, down to the end of the chapter. Faith without action, faith without response, is no faith at all. Even the demons believe and shudder, but do they respond to God? No, they're in rebellion to God. Brethren, let's have true biblical faith. But reading on, and it says here, it says, God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. Now, verse 14 is huge. It was for this. It was for this salvation. He called you through our gospel. He invited you to this salvation through the gospel that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, through the gospel, as we are faithful and obedient to the gospel, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Go back to Ephesians 1, verse 13 and 14. Through the gospel, we receive the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, we are able to manifest the riches of God's glory in Christ Jesus. It says in verse 14, it was for for this salvation, God called you through our gospel, invited you through our gospel that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So important, brethren, you understand that we're chosen when we enter into the gospel. Read Romans 1, verse 16 and 17. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe, to the Jew first and then to the Greek. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed to man. We must recognize that our faith in the gospel must be a responsive faith, as it says in Second Thessalonians in chapter 2 and verse 8, those who do not obey the gospel are the ones who will not be allowed into heaven. We must obey the gospel to be clothed with Christ, to, to be chosen of God. Brethren, how important that is. And again, I'm more than willing to share with you the gospel of glory and invite you to the wedding feast, to heaven, and to the power of God now in this present age, and then the confident hope that is absolutely secure in heaven as you would obey the gospel and be chosen by Him. So we are called through the gospel. We are chosen when we respond to that call. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. How important it is for us to have a faith that is responsive. And so, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you, I beg you, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Notice it says, the worthiness, the worthiness looks like this in our life. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Notice the great and glorious character qualities of God spoken of there. We can only have those if we are in Christ and Christ is in us through the Holy Spirit of glory. Brethren, we are called to walk 
not just called into a relationship with God, but we are called to walk with Him. We're called to walk like Him, to make our calling more sure. Look at the next passage of Scripture, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 9. And we're going to read the precursor verses to Hebrews chapter 6 that we read just a little bit ago. Hebrews chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. Listen to what he says about making our calling sure. But beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you and things that accompany salvation, though we are speaking this way. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. So don't forget to continue to serve the saints. God does not forget your service, brethren, in serving him by serving others. Let's read on. Verse 11. Here's the big power verse here. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. What a powerful passage of scripture. The writer says that, that he, he desires that we would, would be diligent so that we would realize the full assurance, the full confidence of our hope in Christ Jesus by walking in a manner worthy of the calling with which he has called us, brethren. So we are given salvation, but we must manifest that by the way we live, the way we talk, and the actions. There's another great passage of scripture I want to close with this, this morning, and that is Second Peter and chapter 1. Second Peter and chapter 1. In 2 Peter, many of you have read this passage many times. It, it gives us many things that we need to, to add uh, to our, our faith. It says in, in verse 5, uh, Now for this reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply, and then he goes through a big list of things that we need to grow in. Moral excellence is one of those. How powerful and how important. But notice what he says down in the verses I have written on the note sheet, 10 and 11. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10 and 11. And I'll have you go back and do your own study of this passage this week. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. Be all the more diligent to make certain of his calling and choosing you by growing in faith, growing in the great and awesome manifestation of the faith of Christ in your life. And so that when people see you, they see Jesus Christ. When they see your actions, they know those are the actions of Christ. When they hear your words, they know they're the words of life. How powerful we are then in this dark and frightening and scary time in human history. Brethren, we are able to bring hope to the hopeless. We are able to bring courage to the defeated. But we must recognize that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We are liberators. We are seated with Him in the heavenly places where our hope 
is secure as we've learned this morning. Brethren, how important is this? That we hear the gospel invitation and we faithfully embrace the gospel invitation in obedience that we might be chosen of Him. It means that we are untouchable, seated with Him in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority, so that we can be the hope and the confidence in people's lives that no one else is bringing. Brethren, how important it is for us to understand the great hope of His calling. And so Paul prayed, I pray that the eyes of your heart might know what is the hope of His calling. I encourage you to do a study on hope this week. I encourage you to do a study on the calling and being chosen of God. And notice we are called through the gospel so that we might receive the Holy Spirit and be sanctified, that we might have faith in the truth and be obedient. Brethren, my prayer is that prayer for us all. Let's close in a word of prayer and then turn our attention to the great sacrifice of our Christ who has secured our salvation, not because of anything that we have done, but He has secured our salvation through His blameless and holy life and then willingly sacrificing Himself, bearing our sins in His body on the cross. Let's pray a prayer of closing and turn our attention to Christ's sacrifice. Father, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and His righteousness granted to us through the indwelling presence of your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that the brethren would know these things. I pray that the brethren would understand these things as we talk about the riches of your glory next week. Those are powerful tools that we have in us right now to be able to inspire and encourage and bring hope to the world. You provide the invitation to the world to the wedding feast through us. And I pray next week we'll see that the prayer that Paul prayed is actually the prayer we should pray and then embody. Father, I pray that you'll help us this coming week to see as you have called us to see, to know as you've called us to know, to live as you've called us to live. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, many of you know that the reason we gather together in the morning is not only to pray together and to be encouraged by a message from God's Word, but most importantly, to remember Jesus and to remember His sacrifice. So to do that this morning, let's turn back to 1 Peter like we did last week. 1 Peter in chapter 1, though. We started in 1 Peter chapter 1 at the very beginning, and we're going to take a look, look at 1 Peter and chapter 1 and beginning there in verse 17. And again, just an amazing passage of Scripture. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 17, and we'll be reading down to verse 21. If you address as Father, the one who impartially judges according to each man's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things, like silver or gold from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him 
are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Brethren, our hope should not be in our works. Our, our hope should not be in anything other than God. How important that is. And sadly, so oftentimes, if we fall short, we beat ourselves up and we consider ourselves unworthy. If you're a Christian this morning, you need to ask God to forgive you and he'll cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That's a promise if you are the chosen of God, if you've, had a, if you've obeyed the gospel. And if you have this morning, the blessing of remembering the sacrifice that has set you free, remembering the sacrifice that has set you on high, seated with him in the heavenly places, the sacrifice that is still available to us any moment of every day, if we fall short, not when, but if we fall short, we have Jesus Christ, our advocate, seated at the right hand of the Father, who will make intercession for us. He is the one who made propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but for the whole world. And so, brethren, our sins have been atoned for. The ransom was paid. We were bought back from the devil who held us captive to do his will. Now, brethren, we are able to stand confident and secure with him and invite all others to this great wedding feast. Help us to re help remember these things by the blood and the body of Christ. The bread represents his sinless life lived for us without sin. So he was the only man worthy of heaven. And by the sacrifice of himself, the blood, which shows that he bore our sins in his body on the cross, shedding his blood, washing away our sins, and then with him we are raised up and given that glorious new life in Christ. Therefore, if any man or woman is in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things passed away when you obeyed the gospel call. New things have come. The power of his spirits, the power of his spirit and the presence in his glory. Let's remember these things that it was by his sacrifice that we are saved. It's by his sacrifice that we have hope and we have life eternal. Let's pray. God in heaven, help us to remember that unleavened bread represents a sinless life. And we are partaking once again of this memorial. You have given us a life holy and blameless through your son, Jesus Christ. Help us now then to remember so that we'll walk in a manner worthy of this calling in Christ Jesus, this calling that he has granted to us in Christ, holiness, blamelessness, and righteousness of the truth. And help us, Father, to remember that that was only possible because he in humility sacrificed himself for others. This blood represents that humble sacrifice, that life given. Help us to remember in this coming week that this is memorial is for us to remember as Christians, we are to make a like sacrifice, sacrificing self so that others might hear of the invitation to heaven, that others might know of the love of God. Help us to not be selfish, but help us to crucify the self and help us to reach out to others. Help us to lay our lives down for each other as Jesus did. That's what this memorial feast is really all about. Remembering what you've done for us 
and remembering what we are to do in like manner for others. We ask this in Jesus' name as we partake. Amen. Well, I want to thank once again everyone for uh, showing up. I appreciate that you've come online and you've assembled with us this morning as we broke bread together, remembering the the wonderful sacrifice of Christ and the power that gives to those uh, who are His. I pray that this week you will go back and read these scriptures, that you will use the lesson plan that I sent out via email. Look at those scriptures once again. And look at the details. There's power in the details. Consistently we see in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, through the gospel, through the gospel, through the gospel. May you be blessed this week and may you share the hope that you have in Christ Jesus with others. Thanks again and we'll see you next Lord's Day. Oh, remember Wednesday night, we're doing a new series called God in Government. Wednesday night, God in Government. We start at 7 o'clock right here on Facebook Live. All right, you have a great week, brethren. See you later. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.